Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Peter King Podcast. This is a jolly, fun Peter King Podcast with Miles Simmons, my friend from NBC Sports, because we are going to do something that is absolutely, totally, unequivocally useless, and that is my one and only mock draft for the 2023 draft, and... I am not going to shock you really with any of the picks, but I do think that there will be a few surprises. I think you may be surprised at number three because I've got a big trade with Arizona moving down and Tennessee moving up. That's what's called a tease. I have the guy who's the cleanest player in the draft, a well-loved player in this draft, slipping down to number six. I've got one of the top four quarterbacks slipping down to number 23. And I've got a cornerback who weighs 166 pounds and teams are extremely skeptical about drafted in the early 20s. So with that as a backdrop, oh, And we're going to have a little bit of, I wouldn't call it news about Trey Lance later in the podcast, but just my opinion on what exactly is going on with the San Francisco 49ers and Trey Lance. I think I know a little something, but we'll talk about that on the other side of the podcast. Miles Simmons, good day, good week, and finally, the long national nightmare is almost over and we can stop hyping the draft, but not until the end of this podcast. Yeah, see, this is uh, one of those exercises that I'm, I'm okay with because it's the one and only time that we do this as a mock draft with you. I, I, I can't handle weeks and weeks and weeks of mock drafts. It just, it, right. it's, it's a little too much for me. But you know what? I can do one, and this is the one we're doing. And I am perfectly okay with that. And, you know, I will be very happy when it's Thursday night and we can actually talk about the players where they are going with their teams. Yeah, I I love the first round of the draft. In fact, uh, it's really an incredibly fun evening. And the reason I love it is because you've been talking about these guys for so long and reading about these guys And in my case, I've been doing a mock draft for, I don't know, 25 or 30 years. I have 
have no recollection of when the first one was. But I've been doing them for a long time. And the reason why Thursday is so interesting to me is because I have a mental picture of about, oh, I think I talked to 18 draft decision makers over the weekend. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some teams that, quite honestly, I ignore either because, like in the case of Carolina, we already know what they're doing at number one. And in some (laughs) other teams... Where well, I don't, don't let Roger really Goodell have... hear you say that, Peter. <laughs> yeah. In some other cases, some other teams, because I don't really have great contacts inside an organization that I feel would really tell me something, I just don't call them. And I make my best guess based on what people who know these people very well. Like, quite honestly, I don't have people inside the Texans who tell me What's going on? I just don't. Nick Casario is very good. He's from the Belichick tree, which is basically to say he's a CIA agent. He's just, you know, you're not going to find out much of anything from from Nick Casario. So in this particular case, you know, you talk to people who know the the coaches or people on the coaching staff, and you talk to people who know Casario, and you just try to get a, a thing. And I've been on Tyree Wilson for them, the Texas Tech pass rusher for three weeks. And I see no reason to change now. But anyway, Miles, why don't we just do this? Let's just go through this draft. And look, I, I don't want to stop you from commenting or saying anything about anybody that you want to talk about. But I'm going to make this point as we start off and go on our merry little uh, romp through 31 picks. And what I would say is, if there's no mystery to the pick, like Carolina, number one, Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama, let's just say it and move on, if that's okay with you. So let's just start that way. Number one, Carolina, Bryce Young, (laughs) quarterback, Alabama. It's been in the fold for a long time. And I think the biggest thing right now is that and the thing that I've heard in the last few last two weeks let's say is Carolina wouldn't have minded falling in love with CJ Stroud the 6'3 quarterback of Ohio State who is five inches taller than Bryce Young they wouldn't have minded falling in love with him but they never could and so the pick is going to be Bryce Young and off we go Miles I think the really interesting part of this draft starts at number two, because as much as we all think that, well, I don't know what you think, but as much as I think it's going to be Tyree Wilson, I'm not positive about that at all. But Tyree Wilson, I had a great line from a general manager that I wrote in my mock draft at NBCSports.com, which uh, dropped, excuse me, about 1.30 Eastern time, Monday uh, a.m. I I had a great line from a, uh, a general manager who said that, in essence, that Will Anderson is a solid double and Tyree Wilson is a swing for the fences. And there's no guarantee that Tyree Wilson is going to be better as a pro than Will Anderson 
but I do think that there is excitement in NFL draft rooms with what Tyree Wilson might become. And that's why I put him to Houston uh, and new coach D'Amico Ryans. And I think when we're talking about D'Amico Ryans, and you may mention this in the column, that, that Nick Bosa and the way that Nick Bosa came into that San Francisco defense and what he does for that defense as an anchor, you know, and as somebody who you have to account for on every single play, I, I understand that from the Texans standpoint with the D'Amico Ryans, you know, that's the way you want to build your team. Okay. But the only way this works, I think the only way you can really sell it is if the Houston Texans, as they do in your mock, and we won't get to this pick quite yet, come back and then they get a quarterback later in the first round because they have two first round picks. I, I think it's hard to sell. Look, we're going to start case Keenum all year. Ah, well, I mean, I, I don't know, Peter. I, I think after the last couple of years with Houston and the excitement that comes with just having D'Amico Ryan's in there, I, I get it that, you know, you want to build your defense around a player that you believe can be one of the best defensive players in the league. Fine. But you have to be able to score points in order to win ball games in this league. And I, I think we know that it's a passing league, right? So who's going to be throwing the football? If it's going to be Case Keenum to start off, you better have somebody else on the back end that you can say, yeah, we're looking to develop this guy, and we believe that he can be a starter for us. Right. Spoiler alert, we are going to get to a Houston quarterback pick a little bit later on. But let me respond to that, Miles, by simply saying that the Houston Texans in the 2022 and 23 drafts combined are scheduled because who knows, they may make trades this year. They're scheduled to have seven picks in the top 50. That's a hell of a lot of picks in the top 50. It is. The Miami Dolphins, by the way, are scheduled to have zero. And so I think one of the things that you want to be pretty conscious of at this point is you better come away with a quarterback and we will get to that. So let's go to Tennessee at number three. Now, Tennessee, as everyone knows, has the 11th pick in the draft. And I don't really have inside information on Tennessee going up and aggressively getting CJ Stroud. I made this pick, Tennessee trading up for CJ Stroud. I made this pick for a very simple reason. I have some vivid memories of the Ohio State-Georgia National College football semifinal game. I think it was New Year's Eve four months ago. And those vivid memories are C.J. Stroud tearing apart the Georgia Bulldogs and scoring 41 points. And if the Ohio State defense could have played football in the fourth quarter... Ohio State would have pulled off the shocker and won, but they lost 42-41 to through no fault of C.J. Stroud's. And look, my only point about C.J. Stroud and the recent mountain of anti-C.J. Stroud stuff is that I get it that the term processing in this postseason, this pre-draft run-up, has gotten to be very big. And everybody says, oh, my God. Look at how Bryce Young processes information and all that. And I don't know. 
I watch football games. C.J. Stroud is good. This just in. And I hate to be a curmudgeonly 65-year-old uh, bum here. but And I love analytics. Don't get me wrong. But I also like to watch the game to make a judgment about who's good. This guy is good. I will not, I, at least on my watch, I won't have him sinking like a stone because I just can't believe, and I've talked to enough people around the league who don't love C.J. Stroud's personality necessarily uh, or his or some aspects of his leadership ability, but they really like him as a quarterback. So I'm putting C.J. Stroud number three. I'm having Mike Vrabel get a real scouting report from his very good friend Ryan Day, the coach at Ohio State. They used to coach together. So I think that Mike Vrabel will enter this with his eyes wide open, and I think Tennessee is a great candidate to trade for C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I what I like the most about um, how you put this in your mock is that you do have the Mike Vrabel Ryan Day connection um, via Ohio State, and obviously the Mike Vrabel connection to Ohio State in and of itself, and that means something um, because you have the what you put it the real scouting report right you know it's not just the things that we've seen it's the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and you know you you have that connection between two coaches it, it makes a difference because your your views are a little bit more unfiltered than they might be going to right. somebody that you don't necessarily know so that to me is a significant factor in cj stroud now why do you think tennessee as opposed to somebody else, right? Like maybe, I don't know, the Colts going up one pick and not um, Tennessee, which it is won't come shock up me. from a little bit further. It won't shock yeah. me. Look, I do not think the Colts are going from four to two. Uh, and I also think that the Colts have people in their building who are very fond of Will Levis. And so let me answer that question, Miles. Because I believe that Indianapolis could move up to number three and, you know, one spot and could take whoever they want, whether it be Levis or C.J. Stroud. I have them staying at four and taking Will Levis. All of the stories, I think the most overrated story is that, well, uh, Levis has sort of bonded with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is close to Jimmy Ursay. Jimmy Ursay, the owner of the Colts, is whispering in Chris Ballard's ear, Will Levis, Will Levis, Will Levis. This is, I'm just telling you, this is Chris Ballard's pick. And if Chris Ballard, if Will Levis fails, Chris Ballard is not going to say, well, the owner made me take him. Because the owner is not going to make mm-hmm. him take him. And and so, but but I'm not saying that Jim Ursay doesn't want Will Levis. But what I'm saying is that I think that Chris Ballard is going to make this pick. I hear he feels very good about Will Levis, and we'll see on draft night. I think Will Levis's resume is a little shaky. He's got some people in the league who thinks who think that he's a little full of himself. But, you know, we'll see what happens uh, on draft night. But I do have Levis going forward to the Colts. I think all quarterbacks have to be full of themselves to a certain point, right? Yeah. You know, in order to be go out there and to be as confident as you need to be, 
to, you know, make a, a throw from one hash to the opposite sideline, right? You better be a little bit full of yourself. Otherwise, that ball's not going to get there. So, I mean, and it might not get there anyway, but if you're not confident in your ability and, you know, saying the things that you need to say to make yourself believe in yourself, then I don't know. I, I think that that's something that you, sometimes you just got to get over. Well, I, I found interesting about this too is, I mean, Will Levis is who he is, but I, I think there's sort of a, let's call it a debate, I guess, between um, certain minds in the media. And I'm not really mentioning any names. It's a, a lot of people, right? Either it's Will Levis or Anthony <coughs> Richardson that would make sense to the Colts. And Anthony, the thought of Anthony Richardson is, well, um, you have somebody um, in Shane Steichen who worked with a Jalen Hurts, right? And who has worked right. with Justin Herbert and has worked with different kinds of quarterbacks and has been able to mold that guy into a certain thing. But what kind of separates Will Levis from Anthony Richardson, do you think, for the Colts? Because I think that the Colts believe that, and look, Miles, that is a great question. Not a good question. It's a great question because I can tell you that there's at least one significant person inside the Colts organization that really likes Anthony Richardson. And I believe, see, I think this is, I'm not necessarily saying it's a pivot point in the draft, but I do think that one of the things about this pick is that there are people inside the Colts organization this has not been an easy decision for them at all. They have had people on all three quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. And uh, and they may have had, I've not heard Hendon Hooker's name there very prominently, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody said, man, we love Hooker too. But I think what this comes down to and we'll find out after the draft. But I just think it comes down to the fact that Chris Ballard, who's not, not, not a dictator. He is a very democratic guy in this process, but he is going to make the final call. I just think, and I'll be very interested to listen to him after the draft. I just think he is a very big Will Levis guy. And so we'll see what happens. Let's move on to pick number five, which was also very difficult for me because at pick number five, you've, you've got Seattle and you've got Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. You've got Alabama pass rusher uh, Will Anderson and also a guy who I can just tell you this, people in this draft really, really love and that is Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois. And because of his physicality and because of his fearlessness, coverage ability and all that, he is a day one factor, almost on the, maybe not quite, of a sauce gardener. But be that as it may, I gave Seattle Jalen Carter because I believe the Seahawks have an infrastructure in place in terms of the uh, the uh, player programs they had inside the building uh, to put the support staff around Jalen Carter 
He obviously has had problems at Georgia, but he is a singular talent on the defensive side of the ball in this draft. And I also think that John Schneider, the GM of the Seahawks, is not going to be scared off by, relatively speaking, a problem guy in this draft. So I gave him Jalen Carter. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Carter certainly has red flags, um, but I, you wrote this in column as well that when you're talking about a guy going from small town Florida all the way out to the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, that also could help him. You know, you're just changing the environment. And I think that's a part of the infrastructure that you just referred to that Seattle has that can help a guy like Jalen Carter be a successful pro. I think that's the whole thing. I had a conversation with somebody who told me, just remember one thing about the Seahawks. They've got four people devoted to player programs and serving the needs of their players. And this this is a relatively new department for a lot of teams. They might have had one guy, a, a former player, as their, quote, player program guy. And the bottom line yeah. is the player program department is big with the Seattle Seahawks. I just think they can handle Jalen Carter. And again, look, I we somebody might listen to this podcast or go back and remember it in two years when Jalen Carter crashes out. I don't know. But my feeling is he's such a good talent. The Seattle Seahawks are not afraid of having to handle good talents. Let's go to number six, the Detroit Lions. I have them taking Willie Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, and basically pairing him as a bookend with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Arguably the safest pick in 22 was Aiden Hutchinson. The safest pick in 23 is Willie Anderson. And Miles, while I don't think it was done well, I if, if this is the way it goes, I won't think it's because they want to get a Boy Scout on the team after the gambling scandal of last week. I don't think it hurts to have a very safe, off-the-field guy like Will Anderson coming into your locker room. No, certainly not. Doesn't hurt. And then, I mean, he's a very, very talented guy too you know it's not you're not just drafting him because he's a choir boy you're drafting him because you believe he can get after quarterbacks and also help set the edge and help defend the runs so that's something there and, and you know I would go back one draft further you're talking about safe picks Penny Sewell was a pretty safe pick too from uh, the Detroit Lions standpoint right that was the first pick of the Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell era so they understand, I feel like, how to build a team, and they continue to build themselves up, and this would just be another notch in that cap. I think one of the interesting things about this one would be that I could definitely see the Detroit Lions at probably a bigger need position uh, taking Devin Witherspoon because he is so much like his defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, who was a feisty, you know, mm -hmm. tough, tough corner in the NFL. And Devin Witherspoon is exactly the same, and the Lions need that long-term. But I just think the, the talent and the level 
uh, at which Willie Anderson can influence this defense uh, will convince the Lions to go Willie Anderson. Number seven, Las Vegas. I got him going Devin Witherspoon. I think one of the interesting parts of this is I could definitely see the Raiders. I can't see them. Somebody said to me over the weekend, what happens if, uh, the, uh, if, if CJ Stroud drops and he's sitting there at number seven, what would the Raiders do? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't. My gut feeling is they would take either Devin Witherspoon or Paris Johnson, the tackle from Ohio State, because I think everything that I've heard out of that building is that they are really excited, especially Josh McDaniels, to coach uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And they think he is going to be an answer for some time at quarterback. Now, obviously, he's injury prone. So there are absolutely no guarantees there. But I do think that they feel they're in a pretty good place at quarterback right now. And I just don't sense the love for a quarterback, whereas Devin Witherspoon, huge upgrade for them at a position that is a vital need corner. You know what's interesting, Peter? I could see the way you have six and seven in this draft, I could see it going either way. And I, I can make arguments for either um, uh, Witherspoon <laughs> going to Detroit, right? And then Will Anderson goes down uh, to Las Vegas. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Talk about bookending guys. You bookend him with uh, Max Crosby. And I think you have a pretty solid defensive line. But I also think that it makes perfectly good sense for Las Vegas to go defense because that team has needed to improve its defense since it played in Oakland. And that hasn't happened since 2019. So, I mean, this is obviously a position that needs to be upgraded, whether you're talking about, you know, edge rusher or cornerback. And I think, you know, Devin Witherspoon would make a lot of sense for Las Vegas. I just think that solves a huge problem with them we're going to go just a little bit faster on this because we do want to keep it to one hour we don't want to kill you people out there uh but anyway my (laughs) next pick was a bit yeah or ourselves uh (laughs) i the next pick i did not want to make it number eight i really want the the uh atlanta falcons to trade down of all the teams that i looked into and investigated over the weekend, which, you know, from about Thursday on, I can just tell you, the Atlanta, there are some teams that say, oh, we want to trade down. The Atlanta Falcons want to trade down. And Hmm. originally I thought of a way to have them trade down, but then eventually it just didn't work. So I have them sit where they are and take a player I know they like a lot. A lot of people really like him in Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. And just remember one thing about Bijan Robinson. He is a guy who can clearly play running back. He runs inside, he runs outside. He's a, he's a guy who can break tackles uh, between the tackles. But he also, and Steve Sarkeesian, his college coach at Texas, told me, I think he could play slot more than just very occasionally. So I think that is the way Arthur Smith and the Falcons look at Bijan Robinson. 
an absolutely multi-purpose player who, if you think about it, just think about if they got Bijan Robinson. They have Jonu Smith, who Arthur Smith, when he was the head, uh, the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, he had Jonu Smith, the tight end, who they just picked up uh, when New England cut him for cap reasons. He had Jonu Smith running the backfield sometimes. And obviously Cordero Patterson, who is a do-everything guy out of the backfield. I don't, I'm just, I'm just looking at the Atlanta Falcons. If they take Bijan Robinson, you tell me, how in the world do you defend? Imagine having Cordero Patterson, Bijan Robinson, and Jonu Smith on the field at the same time. You know, not to mention their other really good offensive weapons uh, that they have. So, I don't know. This one, if I were a Falcons fan, I'd, and this happens, I'd be really excited. Yeah, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, the other two uh, recent high Kyle picks. Pitts, Look, yeah. if you're talking about, yeah, if you're talking about Arthur Smith, we know that he knows how to scheme up for running backs, right? I mean, you know, whether it is a low pick or an undrafted guy or somebody like a Derrick Henry, who obviously is one of the reasons why Arthur Smith is a head coach in the first place. And also, you have uh, a guy in Desmond Ritter, that if this were to happen, there aren't really many excuses as to why you can't get the ball distributed to those folks, right? You've got so many weapons right. there. That means you better you talk about processing power, processing speed. You better be able to process and get that ball out like a point guard, as sometimes people like to say, in order to get um, your guys, the skill players, the ball and maximize all the yards that you can get. Miles at number nine. I think this is a very easy pick. I've got the Chicago Bears taking a guy they really, really like and the best tackle in this draft, Paris Johnson from Ohio State. The reason why I gave the Bears Paris Johnson, quite honestly, I know they like him a lot. And this is one position in free agency that the Chicago Bears really wanted to solve and could not solve. And so I think when you look at who the Bears are right now and knowing that they want to give uh, a very good opportunity to the quarterback, to Justin Fields, to be good long-term, you just have to protect them better. I don't, I think this was a pretty easy choice. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't, I don't think that there's much doubt that uh, the Chicago Bears need to beef up that offensive line. And I think, you know, getting a Big Ten guy um, makes a lot of sense for Chicago as well. Number 10, Philadelphia. For the longest time, I had uh, a guard here. Uh, a guard, probably a guard, but he played tackle in college. First team All-American tackle uh, in Peter Skaronsky. Probably going to be a guard in the NFL because he has short arms. I'm never crazy about that, but it is what it is. Uh, so I gave them, I gave the Philadelphia Eagles the best edge rusher on the board, Nolan Smith uh, from Georgia. I think the one thing about Nolan Smith that you have to think about is that the Eagles are getting a little bit long in the tooth on the defensive line and particularly on the edge. 
the average age of their top four edge players uh, is 29 years, uh, nine months old. So, you know, it's time to get a little bit of youth here. And the Eagles, I think, would be doing their defense, uh, especially as it sort of reloads post-Jonathan Gannon. They'd be doing their defense a big favor by adding an edge player. Now, one of the things that the Eagles did so effectively last year is rotate a lot of different guys through on their defensive line. It's why Brandon Graham was able to be so effective despite his you know, advanced age, really, as a defensive lineman. Right. So I think this makes sense where you get another guy in, and yeah, I know you got different defensive coordinator and Sean Desai there now, but it, if you have uh, the same philosophy coming down from Nick Sirianni. I don't understand why that would change very much. And so if you bring in some, you know, new blood, some youth and uh, somebody who you believe can help supplement that aspect of things where you can continue to rotate guys in, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, one of the things that was difficult for me, once you get down past the sort of, I don't want to say obvious picks, but once you get out of the top 10, it becomes a little bit more difficult to really project. I'm never very good after the top 10. I'm not that good in the top 10 either. But I have Arizona now after the the trade down that I projected with Tennessee. Arizona taking Christian Gonzalez, the quarterback from Oregon. And one of the reasons why, at least in my opinion, uh, I could have given Arizona five different players here because they have so many needs. The Arizona Cardinals, as Mm -hmm. Daniel Jeremiah said on a conference call last week, they got the worst roster in football. So they could sit right where they are and take the best player or they can trade down and get several best players. One thing I did here is they, if they stay at three, they could shock the world. They could take Paris Johnson, the Ohio State tackle at number three. But I think that's one of the reasons why they'd like to go down. They have many needs, and they need many picks. Yeah, they do. And I, I think that that's something that makes sense when you're talking about Christian Gonzalez. I mean, he's a good corner. I, I think they could certainly use that. Um, especially after losing Murphy in free agency. So 
there are any position you could probably say except for i guess quarterback given kyle murray's contract you, you would be like all right yeah that makes sense for me for arizona Okay, so here's where Houston gets its quarterback. I've got Houston trading down, or I'm sorry, Houston staying right where it is at number 12, not trading up for a quarterback, but just sitting here and taking Hendon Hooker. I'll tell you, Miles, I was going to give Houston Anthony Richardson. And Sunday night at about 8.30 Eastern time, one of my last phone calls was with a general manager who has friends in that building and who said they've been doing a lot of work on Hendon Hooker in the last in in the recent days or weeks whatever he said. And so I just said, "Wow, that would be very interesting because almost certainly they wouldn't have to trade up, I wouldn't think to get Hendon Hooker." So yeah. I gave them Hendon Hooker and I basically look at this and say, okay, Hendon Hooker at the earliest, probably after having knee surgery after last season, uh, probably isn't going to play if he plays at all this year, probably won't play until November 1st. But this solves the issue of the Houston Texans not being in love with any quarterback in this draft, and but figuring, hey, listen, we can't have a wing and a prayer and hope that we get Caleb Williams next year. That's not a good strategy. We need to take the best quarterback that we can get this year. And that uh, I think just might be uh, Hendon Hooker. Well, and you know, the Caleb Williams thing, I I don't know that D'Amico Ryans is a bad enough coach to lose enough games that they are going to be able to get somebody like Caleb Williams, right? You, in order to get the first overall pick, you got to at least, you got to be bad. So I don't know that they're going right. to be that, that yeah. bad. I mean, that's, no, I don't know that they're going to be that good, but you know what I mean? So right. I think it makes sense. You just can't go count on ever getting here. the first pick in the draft. You, 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 you Certainly not. Do it. Yeah. No, I mean, unless um, you do the thing that the Browns did and go 0 and 16, which was awful. And nobody ever wants to go through that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, Let's I'm going to I'm going to go a little bit in the one liner mode for the next few picks, if that's OK, until we get to one yes, that please. I think is really kind of to me, it's very interesting. I got the Jets going with a tackle Broderick Jones from Georgia. I think the one issue with Broderick Jones is that he's only one year a full time starter. He did play uh Will Anderson very, very well when they faced off. <coughs> Excuse me. And after that, I've got the New England Patriots at number 14 going Peter Skaronsky. And look, this isn't necessarily a Bill Belichick kind of pick using a high to mid first round pick on a guard. But who knows? You know, Belichick, I will not be surprised if he says, bleep arm length i'm putting him out at tackle he might do that who knows uh but anyway i got new england going peter skaronsky who might be overall the best offensive lineman in this draft green bay dalton kincaid the tight end from utah you know what i really wanted to do here i really Hmm. wanted to give green bay jackson smith and jigba and the reason i wanted to do that is i said 
How beautiful would it be if Brian Gutekunst, the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, after years of Aaron Rodgers lobbying for you know great receivers in the draft, if now that he's in this purgatorial limbo where he almost certainly is not coming back, that Brian Gutekunst says, yeah, you know what? I think we'll take a receiver in the first round. I, I should have done it. This, was a, this is a humorless it. mock draft. But anyway, I gave him Dal- Dalton Kincaid, who, uh, I mean, there are, there are those. I think uh, Mel Kuyper, there's uh, they're, they're, uh, Daniel Jeremiah also. They believe that Dalton Kincaid uh, is the best tight end in this draft and potentially a top 10 pick. Uh, Washington, Brian Branch, safety from Alabama. This is a needy secondary right now. And I will not be shocked if they go either corner or safety. But I do think Ron Rivera recognizes, hey, listen, we've got a really good defensive front. This is where you might take a receiver. But, you know, we're pretty good at receiver right now. We're not really needy there. We took a receiver very high last year with Jahan Dotson. So let's go and address a real need position in the secondary. You might say, wow, a safety instead of a corner. I think the value is there right there with Brian Branch. Pittsburgh, probably of all the picks I made, people are really surprised at this one. I gave the Steelers Jackson Smith and Jigba. The reason I did that, in essence, is because I think the run at receiver is going to start right around here between 17 and 20. And okay. you might say, well, this isn't really the Steeler way. Uh, they, they like to take meat and potatoes early, and then they'll get receivers because they think they can get them down the road. I absolutely understand that. I think that's right. But I think to get the best receiver in the draft, he's acknowledged that, to get the best receiver in the draft at number 17, I think that's something that the new GM, Omar Khan, uh, feels like would be a great edge for them. So we now go to an area of the draft that I think is extremely murky. You've got Detroit at 18. You've got Tampa Bay at 19. And Detroit, a lot of people might say, well, you know, maybe with the suspension of Jamison Williams for six weeks due to gambling, maybe they end up going with a uh, with a wide receiver. But I'm told they are not going to change their draft board one iota in this first round uh, to go wide receiver. So I have Detroit taking Deontay Banks, a corner from Maryland. Tampa... Uh, I think long-term, they really need to address their offensive line. I got them taking Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. And Darnell Wright, to me, is a very, very interesting prospect because some of his best games were, were against some of the best pass rushers. So I don't see him getting much past you know, the middle or or kind of a little bit lower middle of this draft. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life? 
Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And, Miles, I'm going to bring you back in on number 20. This is where I really start some of the receivers going. I've got the Seattle Seahawks taking Zay Flowers from Boston College. And, Miles, the interesting thing about this is that Zay Flowers stayed at BC for four years, showed loyalty to the program, could have left for NIL money before the 2022 season, but said, my education is important. I need to make sure that I stay and show loyalty to Boston College. I think that could show up well on draft day for him. But Seattle getting a versatile inside and outside receiver in Zay Flowers. What what are your thoughts? Well, I I would like that pick for Seattle for sure. Um, I I think that he's somebody that can add a little bit of dynamism, you know, and play in alongside um, DK Metcalf, right? I mean, you need somebody who's going to continue to help that. And they got a veteran receiver in Tyler Lockett. Obviously, you can do some good things too. So I think having those three guys as your top three receivers, that would be very good for Geno Smith or a young quarterback that they may decide to pick and develop later on. But I think we got to point this out too, Peter. Anthony Richardson is still on your board, right? Yes. And we're through 20 yes. picks. And this is where the uh, the corridor of 18 to 20, if he it does fall, right, where you've got Detroit, Tampa Bay, Seattle. You don't think one of those three teams might want to take a flyer on the quarterback, especially because – He's still there, and they wouldn't have to trade for him. Not Detroit, but yes, absolutely. I could see Ze- I could see Seattle taking uh, him right here. It would not su- surprise me at all. And because there are some teams right around here uh, who are big Zay Flowers fans in the twenties, uh, I think they would love mm-hmm. it if Anthony Richardson would end up going twenty, and I think he might. But I do think that this is a pick for the Seattle Seahawks to say, we have a chance right now uh, to chip away at the San Francisco 49ers and to win this division this year. And I think they think that, and again, they might take Anthony Richardson. They really might. And I don't think it would be a bad pick because – they could exercise patience with him. But I just think the competitor in Pete Carroll and John Schneider, this is my gut feeling, and I could be proven totally wrong on draft day. The competitor in there says, we're good with Geno Smith. We're actually fine with Geno Smith. Let's get 
help for Geno Smith. So that's why I mm-hmm. had that there. Number 21, what do you think about Jordan Addison, who I know that the Los Angeles Chargers really like, and they should like Jordan Addison. I think it's pretty admirable. Jordan Addison catches 100 balls uh, from uh, uh, at the University of Pittsburgh, excuse me, in 2021. Yeah. Even goes to spring practice in 2022 at Pitt, okay? And, you know, Kenny Pickett's gone, but he still goes to spring practice. And then he realizes, oh, my God, this NIL money is insane, and I could play in a different offense and blah, 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 really help myself for the future. He goes out and has a really successful year at USC, totally different offense. There's a lot of people in the league right now who are big Jordan Addison fans. I don't know. Does it make sense to you to go Chargers at 21? Yes, I, I think so. Because look, you you got a team that has a guy they love at quarterback and Justin Herbert, and you're implementing a new offense. Thank goodness with Kellen Moore, but you need a little bit more depth at receiver. They need to beef that up a little bit, especially with the injury in issues that have sprung up with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I think getting another high pick guy in there, another guy that uh, Justin Herbert should be able to count on down in and down out is something that's going to be great for that offense. You've got to be able to score points in that division. I mean, you got to try to beat Kansas City somehow, right? And I don't necessarily like building a team to try to beat one team, or but, you know, you got to do it, really, when you're the Chargers and that team is in your division, you play them twice a year. So I like the Chargers adding somebody who can be dynamic on offense and has the experience of catching passes in college like, like a Jordan Addison. Miles, for a long time, my pick at 22, Baltimore, was a wide receiver. And I think very, very easily they could take a wide receiver right here. No question about it. Mm -hmm. But I switched on Sunday to Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback from Mississippi State. The reason I changed is that I think that if Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers are gone, which is what I have in this draft, I think the Ravens might say, okay, we will get a receiver down the road, and this is a cornerback we don't love, we don't like, we love. And a lot of people will say, how can a 166-pound cornerback play in the NFL? And it's a good question. It's a valid question. I'll just say two things. My favorite factoid of all in this draft is that Emmanuel Forbes in high school his, his idol was Pedro Martinez, okay, the pitcher. And you say, well, geez, why was Pedro his idol? Two reasons. Big Red Sox fan, and he threw in the low 90s as a high school pitcher before blowing out his elbow and giving up baseball. And so then, and that turned out to be good for his football career, Because in high school, his last three years in high school, he had 16 interceptions. His three years at Mississippi State, he had 14 interceptions. Six of them pick sixes, which is an NCAA record. And so I think the Ravens love his play speed, his fearlessness. I'm totally fascinated by Emmanuel Forbes. and, And I'll just say one last thing. Emmanuel Forbes, I asked a lot of people 
about several people who were on the cusp of low one, second round, whatever. And seven of eight people I asked said Emmanuel Forbes would be a second round pick. And I, I don't know. I, I'm sure they, this is their business. So they know where the guy's going to be drafted. I kind of like yeah. Emmanuel Forbes uh, at, at 22. Does it seem to be too much of a risk to you? Um, not necessarily because, you know, we talk about teams that have the, the infrastructure, right? And we were talking about that with Seattle. Um, but I, I think when you're talking about Baltimore, they have a system. Right? They know what they do. They do what they do yeah. and they do it well, as a coach once said to me like many years ago. But that's just what Baltimore is. So Baltimore knows exactly the kind of players that they want in their system. And so if they believe that Forbes can be a, a player that can excel – with their defense, then I kind of defer to them. And I'm like, all right, well, I believe you. And I think it'll work. You know, that that's kind of the way I feel about what Baltimore does generally. Number 23, Minnesota, Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Look, finally, I like Kirk cousins. I think everybody believes that Kirk cousins is a good to very good NFL quarterback. He's played five years in Minnesota. They've won one Ask playoff Mike Florio game. that. Yeah, they played five years. He's played five years, won one playoff game. And and um, at the end of this year, when they have to sign him to a new contract, do you want to invest $48 million a year in Kirk Cousins or whatever the number is? And I just, yeah. this is not inside information from Kevin O'Connell or or people inside the the Minnesota Vikings. This is my gut feeling that if Anthony Richardson is sitting there at 23, it's going to be tempting. And I am giving them Anthony Richardson. I think that makes sense. Defense also is a place where they just need to get better. Um, I think Brian Flores being the coach certainly elevates them. Just, you know, just like Vic Fangio going down to Miami elevates them just to a certain extent, but if you are trying to build a team that is going to be sustainable, quarterback is the most important position, right? And if that's somebody that they believe in and he happens to be there on the board at 23, then I, I think that they could definitely do that. Yeah. Number 24, Jacksonville, Lucas Van Ness, edge player, Iowa. This is maybe the weirdest stat of every stat in the for this NFL draft career starts at Iowa for Lucas Van Ness zero and the way that Iowa played it is that they would start and play the first snap first few snaps uh the upperclassmen who had in the eyes of the coaching staff earned it uh and yet Lucas Van Ness might start in the NFL could never start at Iowa it would be a funny story. New York Giants, Michael Mayer. In the early hours of posting, this is the uh, this is the pick that seemed to enrage a fan base the most because Michael Mayer. I my point is, or the fans' point is, what are you talking about? Daniel Bellinger had a good rookie year last year, a young tight end, uh, and they have they just traded for Darren Waller traded a third round pick why would they take a tight end look Darren Waller enters his age 31 year 
this year. He's been injury prone the last few years. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how long Darren Waller is going to be a member of the New York Giants. So this is a pick about the future. And again, I'm not saying it'll happen. I really think the Giants would prefer a corner, uh, maybe Joey Porter Jr. or uh, a wide receiver, but I'm giving him Michael Mayer. Dallas, Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback from Penn State. The reason why Dallas wants uh, to get secondary help is that they realize, especially if they're going to beat Philadelphia, they have to be competitive on the edges of the field right now. And they've got Mm -hmm. to be able to outscore Philadelphia, but they've also got to be able to have three or four three and outs a game. I think they feel like a corner really helps them here. Number 27. This might be my most surprising pick, and it's a a dart throw. But I know that the uh, Buffalo Bills really like Josh Downs, wide receiver, smallish wide receiver from University of North Carolina. And here's a guy who averaged, averaged over his last couple of years at North Carolina, eight catches, 98 receiving yards a game. Uh, one, one GM said this guy gets open in any coverage. And I think that's something that really would appeal. Obviously, it appealed to any team. But by the end of last year, the Buffalo Bills had run out of answers uh, in, you know, in their offensive attack. So this gives them one more opportunity uh, to help Josh Allen be better. Let's wind down. I got Luke Musgrave going to Cincinnati. He's a tight end from Oregon State. Uh, Probably the biggest star of uh, this postseason at the tight end position because he's really, he he was hurt a lot in college. And I think that by people loving, uh, by people loving Luke Musgrave in the scouting process, if somebody picks him in this round and it doesn't work out, it'll be a classic case of, hey, watch the film and watch how he played. Don't look at him in a bowl game or an all-star game and, and at the combine. So uh, number 29, I've got New Orleans going Miles Murphy, defensive end, Clemson. I really wanted to get Miles Murphy in the first round, and I wanted to get him in a place, look, the New Orleans Saints have been pillaged in free agency along the defensive front. They need mm-hmm. youth that can step in and play right away, and that's yeah. really why I gave Miles Murphy. Philadelphia, Jameer Gibbs, with pick number 30, the running back from Alabama. Interesting thing about Jameer Gibbs is I talked to two teams that like Jameer Gibbs better than B. John Robinson. Love him in the receiving game. And uh, for as much as I really wanted to put Bijan Robinson with the Philadelphia Eagles at the end of the day, I give him Jameer Gibbs with pick number 30. Kansas City, look, sometimes you make picks because you want to get a player in the round. I didn't feel great about any person, any individual in Kansas City was going to give them my next wide receiver, maybe Jalen Hyatt. 
uh, from Tennessee who's got some speed, field-stretching ability. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was Jalen Hyatt. But I wanted to get Osiris Torrance in the round because I think he's going to be a first-round pick. And Andy Reid never met a beefy offensive or defensive lineman that he didn't like. Miles, there we go, 1-31. to 31. I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me one pick that I just gave you that you feel really good about and give me one pick that you think that is totally nonsensical. Peter uh, forgot his coffee last night at 1030. I'll start with the second one. I don't think Anthony Richardson is lasting to 23 on the board. I I think that if he gets to the teens, somebody's going to trade up for him just based on what the ability is. And yeah, he doesn't have, um, as many you know career starts that you would probably like to have, but I just think that somebody's gonna get him before he gets to 23. Um, I do like the Will Levis pick to the Colts. I think that makes sense um, based on what we know about them and that organization. And uh, the Bryce Young pick, number one overall. I, I think you did a good job on that one. <laughs> that. I'll tell you what, Bryce Young, that was a tough one. Um, Miles, before we get out, I thought it would be, and this is one thing I did in my column this week, I thought it would be good because, look, 49ers fans are going to listen to this pod and and Cleveland Browns fans and Miami fans and people who don't have, teams that don't have first-round picks. So yeah. let me give you just a note about each team that I find kind of interesting. Okay, so, and, and and I'll hit you on this one first. The Rams, they pick at 36. It's their highest pick in a 1,000 years. And yeah. they pick at 36, and I wonder, because my big takeaway with the Rams right now is that they don't want to pick at 36. They want to trade down and get more picks. How do you read them? Uh, the The same way, I mean, it's... I was in that building for years. I sat in that draft room multiple times. I can definitely see them trading down, wanting to get more picks, more effectively shots at that dartboard. So, yeah, I I think you're right on with that. The Dolphins pick 51st, and one of the things that I heard, now I only heard it from one person, but this person definitely would have some knowledge about the Dolphins said that uh, jo- um, uh, I, I always think of this, Josh McDaniels, <laughs> that Mike McDaniel <laughs> really likes Jameer Gibbs, you know, the running back. And in a normal world, you might say, well, just trade back up into the round form. To trade from 51 to 25 or whatever it is yeah, no. to get Jameer Gibbs – is it's going to take year one next year. Yeah. I mean, are you willing to do that? And no. I don't know. And I, I don't even know if the team's picking at 25, 26, 27 would, would do that. I mean, I think it'd be very interesting with the New York giants move down to 51 for Miami's first round pick next year. And maybe a four this year or something like that. That yeah. is a fascinating thing. If I were Joe Shane, I just might do that. Anyway, Denver, 
Broncos pick 67 and 68. Those are their first two picks. The only thing that I feel good about, especially because of the Drew Brees influence, um, there's a pocket quarterback at Purdue that doesn't move well, uh, but is very instinctive, uh, named Aiden O'Connell. I wouldn't be surprised fifth, sixth round for Sean Payton to add another X factor into that quarterback room, which obviously he, you know, sort of uh, shocked the world when he signed Jared Stidham in free agency Mm -hmm. to back up Russell Wilson. Cleveland, they don't pick till 74. It's an absolute dart throw. I have no idea. I put in the uh, uh, Cody Mock, the North, North Dakota State, uh, versatile offensive lineman, but I have no clue there. I, uh, you're, I'm going to really disappoint no you, Miles. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't spend very much time investigating what the Browns might do at 74. I know yeah. your your bubble now is burst with me, but anyway, San Francisco. <laughs> this is what I wanted to talk about uh, that I referred to earlier. So. What's interesting about the 49ers is all of a sudden last week, stories appeared that said, hey, maybe, I think it was Ian Rappaport, uh, maybe the 49ers are listening to, or the 49ers are listening to offers uh, or might be pursuing, I forget exactly how Ian. Fielding uh, trade calls, I believe was the way he phrased it. Fielding trade calls. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry. That, uh that they might move uh, Trey Lance. And so I thought of a couple of things, first of all. How do you figure out the, the market value of a quarterback who the, since he left uh, high school football in five years, in football games, he's thrown 420 passes. How do you figure out what that person is worth, especially after you traded two ones to move up and then pick him with a one, two ones and a three, I think it was, that Mm -hmm. you traded that up to come up and pick him. And why would you be ready to give up on a guy who you were convinced was pretty good then? And the second thing I would say is I'm hearing that there really isn't much of any interest. And I think John Lynch, if I were him anyway, my bet is that John Lynch will drive a harder bargain than people are going to want to pay. But the thing that surprised me a little bit is in, in sort of looking into this, that really the teams that you thought might show some interest, at least looking into them, teams like Indianapolis, teams like Houston, uh, you know, and others really have not been interested. So it's an odd story, but I do not expect Trey Lance to be moved uh, by this weekend. The the one team that would make sense to me would be Tennessee, perhaps, right? Because Rand Carthon was there in San Francisco yeah. and has a good read on who Trey Lance is as a person and what Trey Lance can be as a quarterback because he's watched him in the building. Um, and there are other you know places where people were in San Francisco, Houston, you know, as you mentioned. But I. I don't know that it makes much sense for the 49ers to move on from him just based on the fact that 
we know the 49ers usually have to play more than one quarterback in the season. That's just been the way it's been there with yeah. Kyle Shanahan. And you still have Trey Lance on a very reasonable contract. And listening to Kyle Shanahan at the owners' meetings a few weeks ago, it made sense the way he was explaining it that the way San Francisco has built their team, they like having cheap quarterback contracts because it allows them to build things right. up around. So when you have somebody like Brock Purdy and yeah, Sam Darnold, I guess is there too. Frankly, I, I don't want to watch Sam Darnold play football, whether it's for the 49ers or anybody else. Sorry, Sam Darnold. That's just the way it's been. <laughs> but I, I, if I would rather go into the season with Trey Lance as my backup quarterback than Sam Darnold, if Brock Purdy is, or is not healthy. So I, I think it makes sense unless the 49ers, are overwhelmed by a, a trade offer that they would keep him. I think he's going to be a 49er a week from today or a week from whenever you're listening to this podcast. Miles Simmons, thanks for joining me to break down this draft. It's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. And I'm really looking forward to it. I always love the first round of the draft. It's going to be really cool. You and I are going to be back here next Sunday night breaking down the first rounds of the or the entire NFL draft. We're going to be mm -hmm. back doing that. But I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode, experiencing this episode of the Peter King Podcast. We will see you with a post-draft episode in one week, and it will be out early Monday morning right after the NFL Draft. Thanks for listening, everyone. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.